Welcome to Restoration City Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed by this message. I want to get into the word of the Lord. I just because of time, um, there's just some things that um, God has just put into my spirit, and I, I really want to just do a little deep dive into, into the book of Ephesians, chapter one. So if you'd be kind enough to, to go to Ephesians chapter 1, I want to deep dive into, into the Word of God and, and hear what God will speak to us on to today and what He will say. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to read a few verses. Um, I will eventually try to get through as much as possible of this, but let's see where God takes us. And Ephesians chapter 1, and it starts... Um, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, in verse chapter 1, verse 1, to the saints who are in Ephesus, because they didn't call them Christians at the time, we are called saints of the Most High God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. I mean, if you can mix this a little bit better, I don't know if it's too loud in the house or something. It's just not mixed properly. I'm not getting enough from my phone bags. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Someone say, Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray, Father, as we go into your word, we pray for clarity. We pray that any obstacles to our minds and to our thoughts from receiving your word will be removed in the name of Jesus. We silence every demonic spirit that comes to steal the word from us. We silence them. We bind them in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we pray as we are your children, we pray that you will speak to us. Lord, let your word and the revelation of your word come to us. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name and we say, Amen. The book of Ephesians is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul about 60 years after the death of Christ. And Paul was writing to a mixed congregation of both the Gentiles and to the Jews. The Gentiles are people who are outside of covenant. We're not people like us. We were outside of covenant. We was not... I read there's a little bit too much echo on this. You need to just take it down. The the people who were not uh, in the covenant with God, we were known as Gentiles. And he was also speaking to the Jews as well. It was a mixed congregation. 
And the, this letter which Paul is writing is, 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 it goes along with other letters that he's, he's, he's written to Corinth and Philippi and in the book of Colossians, we see Paul's writing to a letter to them. And in the letter, the purpose behind Paul's writing was that he had established this church in Ephesus. And this was part of his third mission journey, missionary journey. And we read a little bit of the account of, of Paul when he comes to, in the book of Acts chapter 19. I think it's still a little bit too much. Sorry. In Acts chapter 19, when Paul came across some of the disciples, and he asked some of the disciples, did you receive the Holy Ghost when you firstly believed? And the disciples, some of the disciples were saying, we, we've never heard such a thing called the Holy Ghost. So Paul asked the question, then whose name was you baptized in? And they said, we was baptized into John's baptism. And so Paul began to speak to them because they had not heard of such of a thing called the Holy Ghost. So Paul began to impart to them and those who were there received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in, in tongues. And so for about two years, Paul stayed in Ephesus and he was teaching the church. And whilst Paul was there, the Bible says that God worked unusual miracles that even the, 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 by the, the work of Paul's hands, that even aprons and kerchiefs, we call them, yeah, kerchief, yeah, kerchief, handkerchiefs, sorry, handkerchiefs, handkerchiefs, <laughs> that came from Paul's body, that when he sent these out, and people who were sick, when they received these, these aprons and these handkerchiefs, were healed, incredible things that was happening as a result of Paul being in Ephesus. But in the middle of all of the, the work that was taking place, there were people who were coming along and they were bringing false teaching and was bringing and diverting the people away from the word of God and diluting everything. And also in the midst of this, Paul began to, he had to address them because the mindset of the believers were like beggars. Because there was other things that was going on. It's quite a commercial place, Ephesus, which we now know as Turkey. But it was, it was, there was something wrong with the mindset of the believer. Just bring me up a little bit on the fallback, Harry. Thank you. There was something wrong with the mindset of the believers because though they were rich, their mindset was of a beggar. They were poor in their thinking. So Paul had to deal with some things and, and, and try to bring, thank you Ari, and try to bring a context to the people so that they can understand God's purpose for the church. So when you read through the book of Ephesians, and it's an incredible letter that Paul is writing, there are three things you need to bear in mind when you're looking at this letter. The first thing you have to look at when you're reading Paul's writing is that he's dealing with God's purpose for the church. And he's revealing to them what is God's purpose for the church. You have to know what the purpose is. If you don't know what the purpose of something for, is that you will misuse it or abuse it because you don't understand the purpose. The purpose of why we come each week. We don't just come because it's tradition or because it's fashion or we've got nothing else to do. This isn't a club. We're busy people. You have to understand the purpose why do we do what we do? And you might say, well, well, pastor, it's obvious, but I've been teaching a long time, and I've spoken to people who've been in the church, and sometimes they don't understand why we worship so long. I remember one person said to, to, to me, 
um, when it comes to prayer, why do you guys have to shout when you're praying? Is God so far away? You, you understand? Some people ask some, some interesting questions. But you need to understand the purpose of what you're doing. Why are you seated in church right now? Why are you here? Why were you saved? You have to understand the purpose of a thing. So Paul, in the writing to Ephesians, he's revealing and unveiling what the purpose is for the church. He also begins to unfold and bring through revelation the plan that God has for the church. There is a plan. You have to, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And you have to, we have to understand that there is a plan that God has for the church. He's not a haphazard God. Things don't just happen by coincidence. God has everything and there is a plan for what he has. There's a plan for your life. There's a plan for my life. There's a plan that he has for the church. And Paul wants to reveal and, and, and help us understand what is this plan that God has for the church. And the third thing when you read in, in, in the book of Ephesians, the mindset you have to have is that Paul re- begins to reveal God's provisions that he has for the church. So everything that we need, he's provided. He's a loving father. He's a caring father. And so when you read in this, you've got to read it through the, the, the eyes of love. That everything that he does as a father, I know we've got Father's Day coming up next week, but everything he does is as a father would do in preparation for his children. The same way how we would have the care and what we would do for our children, this is what the father is doing for us. So let me just kind of help you because with, with, with the book of Ephesians, you don't just, just go through it. There are revelations that you have to begin to unpackage when it comes to the book of Ephesians. So the first three chapters, when you're reading through this, are doctrinal teachings. And doctrinal teachings are the the foundations of our understanding when it comes to the Christian faith. There's some teachings. It's good to hoop and holler, but you need teaching. I I, I love the hooping and holler. That's all good. But I need understanding. You need to understand what you do. If you understand what you do, you will be like a tree that's planted. You ain't moving anywhere because you have understanding and your roots go down deep. So when you read in the first three chapters of, of, of Ephesians, it's dealing with the foundations of our Christian faith of what it is and why we believe it. So it's, it's, it is what it is that we believe or we should believe and why we should believe what's been written. That's the first three chapters. When you go on to the last three chapters of, of Ephesians, it deals with the practical Christian living and how we should live as children of God and to look at our responsibility as Christians because all of us carries a certain area of responsibility. And as a parent, we teach this to our children. We teach our children about responsibility. Don't we do that? So we correct them so they can understand these are some responsibilities because you're going to go from a child into adulthood and we don't want you when you get into adulthood, you're turned on completely a fool. So you teach them from, from very young some principles and practice, some things which you need to do to handle responsibility because responsibility should be on the shoulders of mature people, Amen. You don't put the heavy responsibility and you start putting authority and power on people who can't handle anything. 
They crumble under the slightest pressure that, you know, they walk, slam the door and walk out of church and you don't see them again. You can't handle stuff, especially if you're going to go into leadership. Leadership, you've got to be able to handle batterings. Because nine times out of ten, for those who preach, I can tell you, when we finish preaching, for you, you go home, we then have to face the enemy. Because the enemy don't want us to preach. So you have to be able to handle what Paul says to Timothy. You have to handle hardship like a good soldier. You can't be in leadership and be weak. You can't be in leadership and can't handle pressure. You have to know how to handle pressure. You're going to have to go under incredible pressure and still make sure you don't break. Amen? So in, in Paul's writing, this is the things that he's teaching them. And he wants them to really focus on the purpose of God. There's some things that you need to know, things you need to believe in, and, and, and he wants them to focus on the purpose of God and focus on the power of God. And so he, he starts off these things by talking about the blessings, what I call the blessings of the church. And in opening up um, the, the, the scripture, he's, he's, he's talking to the saints that are in Ephesus, and he, he opens up with a salutation saying, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he starts with this word, and he says, he's now talking to the church, and he's saying, I want you to understand the purpose of the church. I want us to go into the mindset of what God has when he, for, for us. And so that's what he's doing. He wants us to go into the mindset and understand the purpose behind what God is doing. Someone say purpose. So one of the first things that you begin to understand about God as a father, someone say father, because it's so important because some of us don't understand God as a father. We see him as God. And we haven't come to a place of relationship to understand him as a father. So you always will see him in the wrong light. You always, when you, when you make a mistake or something goes wrong, you will think that God is punishing you because you understand him only as God. You don't understand him as a father. And so when you don't have the right concept, the way how you worship will be wrong. Hallelujah. It's gone quiet in here. So what we've got to do is get the right mindset of, of how we see the father and the, the right mindset of a father who loves us who loves us, and as a father who loves us, he's made provisions for us. So now he wants us to come to a place of understanding to say, church, you are not beggars, you are believers. You don't beg for things, you are believers. It's two different mindsets to be on the street begging, and there's a different mindset when you are a believer. So Paul is saying, now, I need you to bring you to a place of understanding. So the first thing you've got to understand for the church, because we're talking about the purpose for the church, and the church is us, is that God has blessed us. Look in verse, so in verse number five, it says, blessed be God uh, of our, uh, sorry, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Look at that very carefully. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying now to the church that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, not some, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's saying to the church, you're blessed. 
You are not cursed. You are not under a curse. When you come to him, you need to understand you are blessed. That's what he's trying to get the, the church in Ephesians to understand. You ain't walking in a curse anymore. You are now in Christ Jesus. You are now called the saints. You are now called the saints. And the saints of God is not cursed. The saints of God is blessed. Lord, have mercy. I want to preach in here. Blessed. Blessed. So listen to, so what does it mean to be blessed? What it means to be blessed is when you bestow favor on someone. When, when you bestow favor on someone, it means you did not do anything to deserve it. Because some of us think we've we done our good works because we've done this, we've done this, that deserve the blessing. You did not do anything. And you cannot do anything to deserve God's blessing. His, his, his love for us, His love for us brings favor. And sometimes when you have favor, it don't feel fair. Because you're getting special treatment. But you are favored. Help us, Holy Ghost. And, and, and so it means to put, bestow favor on someone. And in the, in the context of the Old Testament, it was a pronouncement of benefits that a father would bestow upon his children. It's, 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 it's a benefits of, of blessings being poured out. What a father would do, a good, what a good father would do in Old Testament, you call your children and you start with the eldest and you, you bless them, you speak, you pronounce over them and you speak over them success, you speak over them blessings, you speak favor over them, you tell them that they're going to be successful. You tell them they're going to be prosperous. You tell them they're going to be wealthy. You tell them that, oh, how, how wonderful they're going to be and how far they're going to reach. You pronounce this. This is what fathers do to their children. You pronounce it. You remember the story with, um, was it Isaac? When it was, when, when it was um, Jacob, no, just one second, Jacob and, and um and Isaac, yeah, it was Jacob and Isaac, wasn't it? When, um, was it Esau? Esau, yeah. When there was a blessing, and, and what happened was the father, Jacob, slipped in and, and, and took the, what we call the right-hand blessing, the blessing for the older child. There was a blessing that was pronounced on him, and, 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 and Jacob tricked his brother, and he got that blessing. Because when you're blessed, it cannot be revoked. And so when the Lord is saying he's blessed us, it means that there is a, a, a supernatural spiritual blessing that comes upon us. So the blessing of the Lord that is, is bestowed upon us gives us the ability to succeed. Hear me carefully. As children or as the church, when God says, I'm blessing you, is, I know we use it as a throw-around word because, you know, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. But you need to understand the purpose behind the blessing. When the Lord bestows a blessing on you, Joseph, it means he's saying, I'm giving you the ability to succeed. I'm giving you the ability to prosper. When God made man and he made Adam and, and, and Eve, and he told them that 
you should have dominion over all this, over the birds of the, of the air, you should have dominion over this, you should have dominion. He gave them dominion of it, over everything. But he still had to bless them. Because though it was prophesied or pronounced upon them, they could not do anything until it's blessed. The blessing gives you the ability to now complete what the assignment is. So the church, we can't just go and do our own thing. We need the blessings of God. Because the blessings of God is what causes us to be successful. Now there's some people who want to mimic and say they they want what you have. But the problem is they have not been blessed. Lord have mercy. You see, when you have a couple who's in front of you, when, you, when, you, when I do a, a wedding, and they talk about, they look in each other's eyes and, oh, I love you. You're like, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But then now, they're going to get married. Or oh, as a, older people, you're going to get married. So when they're going to get married, what I have to do as a minister is after I've done all the wedding vows and everything and, and all the, the songs and everything, as a minister, to conclude that wedding and, and to seal it, thank you, I then have to bless them. Because in blessing them, you now have the ability to be able to do and fulfill what you're supposed to be doing. So without the blessing... You can go through the whole ceremony, but without God blessing it, it will not have the ability to succeed. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why some people say, you know, um, Pastor, can't you bless you know, two, two, two people of the same sex? I can go through the ceremony, but I can't bless it. Because a blessing, God is the source of all blessings. And if he does not put his confirmation on it, if he does not bless it, it cannot succeed. You can go through things, but unless God blesses it, you will never succeed. That's why your home has got to be blessed. That's why your business has got to be blessed. Everything connected to you has to be blessed because once it's blessed, oh Lord have mercy. That's why God said to Aaron, Aaron, at the end of the service, stretch your hands over the congregation and speak over them the blessing. We call it the Aaronic blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his faith. The reason is there has to be a pronouncement of blessing so that you can succeed. The purpose behind the blessing is to cause you to excel, to to increase, and to multiply. When you are blessed by the Lord, it will cause you to rise up. Hallelujah. You rise up and you are counted because the Bible says the blessings of the Lord makes good. And there ain't no sorrow to it. So when God blesses you, you are blessed. It means I have the ability. And that's why I have to go to him. I need, he will give me the ability to, to be successful. And so sometimes when we are struggling with things, the question is, have God blessed it? Because there's things which we do in our lives that God did not sanction us to do. And what we are looking for is him to bless something that he never sanctioned. 
And then we wonder, why isn't this working? Because if it's not according to his will and according to his word, he can't bless it. Because he cannot violate his own word. Lord have mercy. So if there's struggles and struggles and cycles of struggling and struggling, the question is, has God blessed it? Am I walking in the will of God? Because sometimes instead of asking God, God, what do you want? We tell him what we want. And we want him to bless our stuff. And what we need to do is get on his agenda. Lord, what is it that you want? Not my will, but let your will be done. Are you, are you in the house today? So, in this chapter, chapter 1, he wanted them to know about the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And Paul wanted them to know that all the source of blessings comes from the Lord. And then he, he, he also wants us to understand that when God blesses us, there is a response that we should have to his blessings. So he's, he's laying out what are these spiritual blessings. Because these spiritual blessings, when you understand it, it prompts you to praise God. The blessings prompt you to praise God. Sometimes why we struggle in praising God is because we don't know what we're praising him for. So if you know what he's done, then I can associate my praise to him. And that's all it is. Some people don't know. They don't know what he's done for them. So if I just bring someone and put them in front of you here and say, here's Jack. He's just like, hi, Jack. How you doing, mate? Just bump fist. Cool. Because you don't know who Jack is. And so you can't praise, associate a praise to Jack if you don't know what Jack's done. But if I told you that Jack single-handedly went into an area of battle and rescued 50 men by himself and got all of these 50 men to safety all by himself, then you'll say, you know what, give him a little accolade because of what you, you found out what he's done. And that's the same with, with, with us in the church. Sometimes people don't know what he's done. Help us, Holy Ghost. I'm going to preach this thing. Because sometimes we, we as preachers have made a mistake because instead of preaching to you about spiritual matters, we've only spoken to you about natural matters. So if I don't get a new car, I don't know how to praise him. If I go for a job and I didn't get a job, I, I come into church, my face is sour because I don't know how to praise him. Because I didn't get the job. I didn't get the promotion. I didn't get the car. I didn't get the home. Because it's all based upon material things. And so when you're looking and you, you see people, Lord have mercy. See, people who know their God, even if I ain't got no money in my pocket, I still know how to praise him. You can't tell the difference. You won't be able, you can't tell the difference. I could have had a horrendous week, but you can't tell the difference because it's not based upon material stuff. It's because I know what he's done for me. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So even if I don't have the money, I can still praise him. If I went for the job interview and they turned me down, I can still praise him. You ain't going to, because it's not based upon material things. Because Paul is saying there are spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings. 
And we have raised a people who only knows how to praise him based upon material blessings and not spiritual blessings. So when you don't see the material things, you kiss your teeth, fold your arms and say, God don't exist. And, and Paul was saying, no, 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 Paul's saying that mindset, that mindset, you've, you, you, you're, not, you're not getting the best that you need to. Because God is far above it. He's blessed you with spiritual blessing that no one can teeth. Now I could have come in and say, the Lord has blessed me with a new car. But they teeth the car. They teeth my car. So what happens if it was based upon material things? People say, but pastor, you said the Lord bless you with a car. But it's gone. But my Faith is not in no material stuff. There are spiritual blessings. You can't steal my spiritual blessings. Because they're stored in heavenly places. They're in heavenly places. You can't take my spiritual blessings. And there's some blessings that I have that's been hidden in darkness. Help me, Holy Ghost. That you have to walk through darkness and pain to get to the blessings. And you ain't prepared to go through the pains I've gone through. You ain't prepared to go through the darkness. So those blessings are reserved for me. Because I'm willing to go through the darkness. I'm willing to go through the pain. I'm willing to go through the tears. Because in the midst of the darkness, the pain and the hurt, there is blessings. So you can't steal those blessings. Unless you want to go through what I've gone through. And that's why when I'm going through some, some, some stuff, don't feel sorry for me. Because somewhere hidden in my pain, somewhere hidden in my disappointment, there is a blessing. And sometimes people say, well, how do you feel? And you, sometimes I don't know how to answer it because sometimes you're going through the worst, worst time you've ever gone through. I mean, it couldn't get any worse. But even at, when it's the worst, but because of the blessing, I'm also going through some really good times. And sometimes I don't know how to answer it. I'm going through the worst of times. Come on, somebody. You see how God works? He don't let you go through them pain and darkness for no reason. He hides blessings in there. And if you open your eyes, your spiritual eyes, when you're going through the tears and the pains and all that kind of stuff, that's why don't criticize people when they're going through their stuff. Because when they're going through the stuff, God hides little blessings. There's blessings in those little dark places. But if you shut God out, you miss the blessing. But whilst you're going through these stuff, I'm looking at and saying, I'm not going through all this for no reason. No, 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 no. I I do not go through pain for no reason. I don't go through disappointment for no reason. There has to be a reason, a purpose behind my pain. There's got to be a purpose behind my pain. And if I can keep my mind, and the challenge for us as believers is our mind. Is our mind. That's my challenge is my mind. Keeping my mind in perfect peace. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. The challenge is keeping my mind right. Because if I can keep my mind right, I'm getting the blessings. 
But I've got to know how to get my mind in the right place. So these, these people here, Paul here, was, was trying to help the believers in getting the right mindset that move away from this begging mentality. You, Lord, help us. It's like a man who, someone has deposited millions in your bank account. But because you don't know, man and man's going to pound stretcher. You know what I mean? Man and man's going to pound stretcher. And you, you haven't checked your bank account. You, you haven't checked it. But you're going, you look a bargain, you buy one, get one free. Look, come on. And you don't know that you have the ability. Is that someone who don't have the, don't know, they have the ability to buy the whole entire shop and the chain. But you're going in through the bargain bits. Because that's what we do spiritually. We don't understand the wealth of spiritual blessings he has given to us. But we're in the bargain section. We're looking through the bargain section and don't know who we are. That's what happens. We come to church, but we don't know who we are. We don't understand when God says, I'm blessing you. I'm blessing you with the ability to succeed. There is not one person on the sound of my voice who is a failure. Is your mindset will tell you. Your mindset will lie to you, but you are not a failure. You are blessed. And when God blesses you, you have the ability to succeed. So he begins to speak of a couple of things concerning the blessings. And the first thing he begins to, to, to say, it says, you're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And the first thing he says is that, just as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, God was saying that, Paul was saying, you are so blessed. That it was that salvation did not come by anything you done. You didn't do anything. What Paul is saying, before the foundation of the world, God chose you. This was not based upon man's election. It was, it was that God chose you. He chose you so that you can be holy. He chose, it, chose you so that you can stand before him without blame. And just as he's chosen as a bride of Christ, that means the word chosen means to be picked out, chosen for oneself. And out of many, he chose us. God chose us. And the Apostle Paul wants them to know that, listen, way before creation, you were not plan B. You were always plan A. You were never a, an afterthought. God chose me. The reason you're seat, seated in the seat right now is God chose you. And if God, God hand-selected, he picked you. That means that you're special. Come on, you're special. If you choose someone to get married to, you pick out someone that's special to you. I don't care about how anybody else feels, but that person is special to you. You handpicked them. And that's what God done for us. He chose you way before the foundations of the world. He chose you. He just waited for you to respond. 
but you are chosen by God. That's what he was saying here. You are chosen by God. And you are, all of us, what we are doing is just simply responding to the work that had already begun years ago. So the minute you say yes to him is your response. But God had already mapped out. God already had a plan for us. And his plan was to get to you. And, and that's why, look at what God done to get to where you're at. Look, he would, he would not, nothing would stop him from getting to you. Because you and I are valuable to him. So Paul was saying, listen, God chose you. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. The second thing he began to, to, to let them know, he says that having been predestinated to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So not only did he choose us, not only are you chosen by God, and said, God says, I want you. Colette, I want you. I want you. I want you to be my bride. I'm choosing you. Then he goes to the next level. This is like a stepping. He goes to the next level. And he signs all the legal paperwork. And says, I'm adopting you. I don't want you to be a stranger. I don't want you to always feel, you know, oh Lord have mercy. You see, with my children, when they come in, Marcy and Orville does the same. They can come and raid my, you can come and raid my, my, my cupboard. Take out biscuit, drink, whatever. Because that's what family does. You know what I'm saying? When you have that's what they, they don't have to ask, could I have a biscuit? Could I have a drink? You go and help yourself and that's what children do. And, and, and that's what happens when you are adopted. You have certain rights and privileges. That's why it would be strange if my children come and ask me, could I have a drink? It would be strange. That, does, that's not, that don't feel right. But when you have someone who's a stranger, when you have someone who's not your family, as it were, they may come in and out of politeness. They might say, could I have a drink? But when you come to my house after a few times, I ain't going to fix you no drink. Marcia, have you ever seen me fix your tea? Never. <laughs> if you want tea, the kitchen's next door. Find a cup and make yourself tea. Maybe the first time I might be hospital, hospitable. It might be nice. After the second time, what in? Turn the top on. Kate was there. Make it, because for me, it's family. And it would be strange. It just, it just doesn't feel right. And that's what God was saying was... What I want you to do, I want you to come to me and understand you're no longer strangers. Help us, Holy Ghost. Church, the problem that many of us have is that how we have preached the gospel, we've preached the gospel to people who, and how we've communicated it, we've communicated it to you that you are slaves and servants. And so when we're serving God, we serve from a position of being a slave and being a servant. That's, that's our fault of how we taught the word. And we haven't taught the word or, or expound the word and, and to help people to understand you're not just servants 
or slave, your sons, is a complete different mindset from a servant and a complete, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. There's a different mindset. If someone comes to serve in your house, they are limited in what they can do. But when your own children comes in, there is no limit. This is how sometimes we approach when we come to worship. And when we come as a congregation of people together, we sometimes come with a servant mentality. I don't deserve this. And I feel guilty for this. And I feel guilty. And that's not how sons are. And sometimes how we've been treated in the natural has affected us how we see things in the spirit. And the father, that's why I said you've got to read Ephesians from the, from the perspective of love. If you don't see from the perspective of love, you missed it. This is the father saying, look, I've chosen you, Yvonne. But more than that, I'm going to adopt you in because I want you to call me father. It's a privilege for me. Where's Marika? Marika's up there. I love it. She calls me dad. It's an honor. I got, I got a, she gave me a plate with the word, I love you, daddy, something like that. It's over my bedhead. Because it's such an honor when someone can call your father or dad. Such an honor because it speaks of relationship. So, so the father's saying, I don't want you just to see me as God. I want that intimacy. I want you to see me as a father. I'm adopting you as a father, and you are my child. And there's something powerful, although I'm called Delroy, Tony, yeah, Delroy. He don't call me pastor, just call me Delroy. Don't don't worry about it. I'm I'm D, Delroy, Pastor D. Some call me apostle. But you know the, the beautiful name is when someone called me father or dad. When my kids, my children call me dad, there's something about it. In, in, when I went to West Africa, they, they didn't, only on official basis they would call me apostle. As soon as service is finished, they call me dad. And it was, it was such an honor. That for me was such an honor. Because his relationship, that they felt I was part of their family. We call you dad. And Apostle Ben was, well, if he's dad, and I'm older than him, what am I? That's a granddad, man. <laughs> granddad, come here. But that relationship that the father wants, I've I, I got to finish. It, it, look what 1 John 3 verse 1 says. 1 John 3 verse 1 says this. It says, behold... In other words, look. When you see the word behold, means look, behold. What manner of love is this? That's why I said you've got to see, when we come to church, we've got to see the Father through the eyes of love. Everything he does for us is love. Because I grew up thinking when something goes wrong, this is him punishing me. Because that was a mindset of what I understood in the natural and so I always felt that I'm always being punished. If I do something wrong, uh, God is punishing me. 
Because that's the mindset I have. I didn't change that. The honest, the truth is, I didn't change it until I had my son. And I was, and I'll tell you exactly where I was. I was in Sweden when the revelation came and I understood the fatherhood of God. Because as a father now, caring for my son, I now had a paradigm. I now had something to compare with. I never had that before. I didn't understand. I grew up at five years old. My father passed away. So I didn't know what that relationship, when other people were, were talking about fathers, I didn't know what that meant. And then with my siblings, we always we decided with as siblings, we weren't calling anybody else a father. That was, we, that was an un, un, ungodly curse. That was, that was really bad. But that's what we, we done. We made an oath which was wrong because then we couldn't receive a father's love. We, we blocked our own blessing. We didn't realize we was doing that at the time, but that's, that's what we done. So it wasn't until I had my son that that had to be broken because now I understand the love that I have for my son and I still love my son. Where are you, son? I love you, man. I love him. I love my son. I love him. But now I have a paradigm. I have something to understand. So if this is the love that I have for my son, that I will go in the room and just look at him and say, that's my, that's my boy. That's my son. I don't do that now. But, you know, you know. but imagine what the father does for us. Imagine what the father does for us, that he watches over us. And, and, and that love that he has. The love that he has for us, just like we have for our own, for those of us who are privileged to have children and it's an honor to have children, the same love is greater. And the Bible says, what manner of love is this that the Father has bestowed upon us? In other words, this kind of love blows my mind. Because when you, when you are a father, your children don't have to have A grades, A plus for you to love them. They don't have to achieve A+, 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 then you tell them you love them. And then you tell them you're proud of them. You've missed it. I love my son, even when he takes a last biscuit. And just leave, yeah, and leave a little bit of milk left in the, in the fridge. There's a little bit of milk left, so, and it won't empty out the bottle. I still love him. It's not based upon stuff. And that's why this is saying, behold, what man of love is this? The Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called his son. I really, you're privileged to be called my son, isn't it? Yeah. And I know, they're privileged. It's both ways. It's, it's, it's both ways. But this is what's saying, what man of love is this that the Father has bestowed upon us? That we should be called the sons of God. You are sons not slaves, not servants, sons. Sons come with privilege. Sons. Therefore, the world, they don't know us because they didn't know him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Beloved, now are we. We're not waiting for that. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be 
like him. I'm going to be like my daddy. I'm going to be like my father. Because I'm carrying his DNA. I've been adopted into his family. He's my father. He's my father and I am his son. The Bible goes on to say, as in, 1 John, uh, in John 1 verse 12, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. You're called sons. He gives you the power to be called sons. The word power means the, the right and the privilege. So when I'm identifying myself, I'm a son. I don't come before him screaming. I come boldly to his throne. I've changed my attitude. I changed my mindset. I'm not a beggar. I'm a believer. We pray you're encouraged with the word of God. For more information about Restoration City Church, please visit us at www.restorationcc.org. Dot UK.